I'm Jan Foreman. Welcome to Daily Hope. Builders say it's much harder to work with a remodel or restoration than it is to start from scratch because you have to first do repairs and they're messy and complicated. The book of Nehemiah is about a restoration, the rebuilding of God's house and his people living in Judea. The city of Jerusalem lies in ruins from decades of war and neglect. It's going to take a God-sized vision to rebuild and courageous leadership to make it safe. Nehemiah is that leader. In fact, his name means the Lord comforts. The book of Nehemiah was originally one book with Ezra, and together both books describe the return of God's people from exile to their homeland. So Nehemiah is a book about renewal, and chapter 1 lays the groundwork for this great work of restoration. If you've ever walked into a house that's experienced some disaster, maybe an earthquake or fire or flood, or maybe just seen years of neglect, you probably uttered this question, where do I begin? Nehemiah chapter 1 gives us baby steps for how to begin this important work of restoring God's people in his house. This story of transformation, though, begins in the invisible place of the heart. This is where God whispers his burden to us, and we begin to ask important questions, like Nehemiah did about the condition of God's people in the city. He writes, Hananiah, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that survived the exile, and also about Jerusalem. Nehemiah's heart was already burdened for God's people who survived survived that horrific slaughter and the ransacking. And if he was hoping for good news, he didn't receive it. They said, those who survived the exile are back in the province and are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. After all this time, the city looked as if the disaster happened yesterday with broken walls and charred gates. The city is completely vulnerable with no security or semblance of normalcy. But more significantly, the survivors are as broken as those walls, as burned out as those gates. Life is hard back home. Maybe you've recently asked about an old friend or how some fellowship of believers is doing or maybe wondered about Christians living in some restricted country. You ask because you share God's burden. And when the news is bad, it breaks your heart. So Nehemiah is overcome with sadness. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. What do you and I do with our grief? Nehemiah doesn't stop with mourning. He moves from those raw emotions toward forward motions that take him straight to God. He brings his heartache to God for his solution before he takes any action. And what a prayer it is. He begins with who God is, not the problem. O oh Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love. God doesn't need reminding, but Nehemiah reminds himself of who God is. And his very first request is that God hear his prayer. And then he gets honest and names all the sins of God's people. There's no throwing stones here, but Nehemiah includes himself in this confession. But he pivots and leans hard on God's own word, reminding God of his promise. If you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. 
And he also reminds God that these pitiful people belong to him. They are your servants and your people whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. Finally, Nehemiah makes himself available for God to use. He realizes his strategic position. As cupbearer to the king, he has access to someone who can change this crisis. But his position is fragile because the king holds absolute power over his life. So he prays, give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man, the king. He courageously decides to use his position as a means for transformation. And that is the moment that God uses to start the rebuilding process. So what might this look like in my life and yours? The big theme here is availability, being available to hear God's heart for his people, being available to hear the truth about their situation, being available in prayer to talk it over with the Lord, and finally being available in my context to be used of God to bring change. I think this flow of events is important because if I just learn about a problem and react, then I don't necessarily have got supernatural power or wisdom. If I just mourn and don't pray, I feel like a victim. If I only pray but refuse to let God personally use me in the in the transformation, I'm I'm not really taking part in it. We have a common expression in our culture. It is what it is. And sometimes when we look at the overwhelming damage done to people here at home or different parts of the world, that can be our attitude. It is what it is. And we just shrug and walk away. But what if God has given us a glimpse of his heart to actually enact change in that crisis? It's worth talking to him and it's worth examining our life to see what in the world God might have us do to cooperate with his plans. I think it's fascinating that home garden TV has become so popular, and I think it's because we're hardwired to want to rebuild beautiful things. We identify with this old house because it tells stories of redemption, taking something in disrepair and making it fabulously new. This is also God's nature. It's what he does best. So are you and I ready to strap on our tool belts and join our Heavenly Father and His mission to restore all things? It's happening all around us. And now I want to invite you to join us this weekend for our online services or Sunday for our services at 9 and 11 and 6. God bless you.